Hey, Broads, just wanted to chat with all of you for a second before the episode starts. Um, So stop what you're doing. Stop this episode. <laughs> if you haven't listened to yesterday's episode, it is called uh, Birth Stories, Jess's Unplanned Birth and Birthing Choices. Um, and I am not trying to plug my own birth story right now. The first 15 minutes of that episode, Becca and I briefly talked about what is happening right now with George Floyd and the oppression and systemic racism that has been going on for hundreds of years towards black people, um, how as a podcast we're going to be moving forward. We're going to be continuing to post resources and places to donate on our Instagram, um, our personal Instagrams, and also on the Chatty Broads Instagram. Um, and we will, in the next few weeks, be having episodes um, coming up discussing racism, how to be an ally, uh, being anti-racist um, and all that. So please, if you haven't listened to the intro from yesterday's episode, please, please listen to that before you dive into this. Um, also, in yesterday's episode, I brought up how Chatty Broads is going to be uh, donation matching up to $1,500 um, towards the National Black Doulas Association. And <laughs> Broads, 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 within like I think I'm going to say three hours of the link for the donation match being up. You broad surpassed $1,500. I cannot believe it. So Becca and I have upped the um, donation match to 2000 and we would just love to continue to raise money for the National uh, Black Doulas Association. They're an incredible organization. Um, like we talked about in yesterday's episode, Black Birth Matters. And we are so excited to be able to donate to such an incredible organization as a broad squad. To the tips of our toes, this, this is a broad squad strong moment. And let me say this from the bottom of our hearts, and I mean this with my entire being, Becca and I are so honored to be in community with all of you. <sighs> well, the uh, the link for the donation uh, site is in the episode notes, and it's also going to be in the Chatty Broads Instagram bio. Um, so this episode, again, just as a reminder, we recorded pre-recorded this episode and yesterday's episode about a month ago. Um, and also a quick trigger warning in this episode, we will be discussing traumatic birth um, and we will briefly be discussing some sexual trauma. So please be aware of that before you begin this episode. We love you broads and um, let's get into it. episode of Chatty Broads with Becca and Jess. Well, hey, Broads. What's going on today? We're going back into some birth topics. We are. What did we talk about on Tuesday again? I already forgot. I mean, we did record Tuesday's episode a hot minute ago. Oh, <laughs> we talked a lot about your birth, actually, we did. which is so fun. The surprising birth story for Becca. <laughs> I loved it. I really enjoyed recording that. Yeah, we recorded that a few weeks ago. And um, and then today, we have two lovely ladies on. We have two lovely ladies. In, in fact, in Tuesday's episode, we were talking a lot about being informed and having... 
um, a say in knowing what you're getting into when you're going to have a birth experience. So uh, we thought we'd hit two topics. One, we do have to bring this back to Bachelor Nation. I mean, we have to have a Batch Nation guest on. So first, we're going to talk to Jade. Yes. Which is so exciting. And we actually recorded this interview with Jade. We did record it a few weeks ago and she had not announced yet that she was pregnant. And it'll actually be really fun to listen to this episode because we ask her <laughs> if, ask if her. they want to have another one. <laughs> That's amazing. And she did a great job of giving an answer while still like not. I had no idea. No idea. I think she no said idea. something like, I mean, of course, you're about to listen to it in the podcast, but I think she said something to the effect of. Like, I do, but I, I'm not sure if Tanner's down and then come to find out there is a third on the Surprise! way. Surprise! <laughs> Surprise! Yeah, I wish we had gotten to talk to her about that. Maybe we'll follow up in the future. But um, sounds like this baby was definitely a surprise. Sounds like a surprise baby. Um, we love those. We live for a surprise baby. Yeah, which is also, I know, kind of crazy for her since um, they had to try a bit for Brooks. Their second. Yeah, yeah. And had a little bit of struggle with that. Anyway, so we're going to talk to Jade about yes. her birth experience. Um, birth and you're about to hear Jade's, which is obviously an extremely traumatic situation and a shocking situation with what happened in her birth story. So after we talk to Jade, we're going to um, hop into a conversation with Alexis Haynes, which if you haven't, Alexis was on um, our show last week talking fantastic about addiction episode. And, fantastic episode. I highly recommend talking about addiction and recovery. Um, you might know her as Alexis Nyers um, from her show Pretty Wild on E! when she was younger. Um, bling ring, all that. But she, um, we found out after recording with her that she is a birth doula specifically for um, traumatic uh, births also for people who have dealt with trauma beforehand. So um, after we talk to Jade, we're going to have a quick chat with Alexis. Ready to hop in, B? Yeah, let's go for it. Let's do it. Hi, Jade. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to yes. be a part of the Broad family now. Yes. yes. <laughs> the, the Broad Squad's going to love oh, the broad it. Squad. Um, Actually, so just to give you some background, what we talked about last episode, which Jess did not tell me this until like literally the episode, like we've talked about her birth experience, but she had her first daughter, gosh, five years ago, four, four yeah. and a half years ago. Yeah, four and a half. Four and a half years ago. And uh, she had like a very loose plan, like, oh, I'm going to try to go natural, like see what happens. And she was in the hospital. And like when she was eight centimeters dilated, she started freaking out about pushing and asked for an epidural. And then they put in the epidural and then she was immediately like, no, actually, I don't want it. So basically this I just think this is so crazy. She had an epidural for like 15 minutes because mm -hmm. they turned it off, I guess, like immediately. The second it and, started. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then she spent the rest of the labor and pushing just with the needle in her back, but without the actual epidural going. Oh, my gosh. So yes. she had like 15 minutes of an unmedic <laughs> of a medicated birth. I had, I, a, I had a hilarious. deep breath for like 15 minutes and then like right back into it. <laughs> were you able to just push then and you were fine? Like it, it was just like a scary thing for a second. It was, you know, I was at eight centimeters. So it was just all of a sudden the, the nurse came in. I had no idea I was that far along. And she's like, you're going to start pushing here soon. And I'm like, oh, my God. And the idea of it freaked me <laughs> out because I had had no plans. I didn't really know much about giving birth and so I'm like, let's do this really quick. But 
it lasted literally the epidural lasted for like 15 minutes so as soon as it was done i was only at nine centimeters so i still had like two more hours <laughs> post epidural to oh wait my goodness. so by the time i was pushing i was like yeah i, don't, I, for, I keep forgetting that this thing is in my back except for the fact that every time i move i'm horrified because needles scare the living shit out of me so <laughs> Yeah. So that was a little background into into our previous conversation. But okay, I'm really interested to hear from you. Like what especially okay, first time around, what was sort of like why did you did, did you make a plan which sounds like you did? What influenced you to make the plan that you made and then like what actually happened and would you have changed anything? And I guess I guess that with both of the births maybe just to compare those two experiences. No, I from even like a young age, I don't know why, even though when I was really young, like in my early 20s, I didn't even want kids. But I always had this idea that if I was going to have kids, I wanted to have a natural birth. And I was obsessed with water births forever. And it's something like I've always been really fascinated with the body and just all the things our bodies can do and just like our capabilities. And it's just fascinating to me. I love to watch like weird ER shows where they show way too much that you don't want to see. Like I like how I like to see how the body works. So I always just really like had this idea in my head that I wanted to have a natural birth. I wanted to experience all of what it was going to feel like, because if we only have one life and if I'm going to have, yeah. I wanted to feel everything. I wanted the full, full experience. But when I got pregnant with Emmy, Tanner's idea of what I wanted was not what he wanted. So he was an emergency C-section baby. He came out um, with one foot out. First. Whoa. And so his, Mom wasn't able, they weren't able to position him to get the other foot out. So they had to emergency C-section. Oh my God. So Whoa. His, yeah. So his idea of birth was that it was traumatic because it, it was, it was a traumatic birth experience for his mother. And so he was like, there's no way we're doing like a water birth. You're crazy. Um, he's like, I'm just worried about everything that can go wrong. So we compromised and halfway through my pregnancy, I switched from an OBGYN to a midwife, probably like, I think I was like 28 weeks pregnant with Emmy. So was that the same hospital? Did they offer midwives or no, I completely just switched. I was just still researching midwives and just finding like things online. And I found this birth center. And so I was like, Tanner, this is a birth center. It's not like I'll be doing it at home since it's our first time and you're nervous. And I went and I did like the tour and I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. You know, mm. like I loved everything about the midwives. I loved everything. Just like, it felt like it was like safe, safe for me and my baby. Mm-hmm. But I ended up having Emmy right at 36 weeks, uh, 36 oh weeks, zero God. days. I, my water broke spontaneously in the middle of the night at 3 a.m. And uh, I was like, I think that's my water. I woke up. I was like, maybe I peed myself, (laughs) but my water was everywhere. I was drenched. I was covered. And so I got in the bathtub and I spent about an hour in there. I was timing my contraction. Did you know it was, it was too early to go to like, did did you know that it was too early to go to the birth center? Like in in terms of being full term? Yeah. So, So I, they said that they would, 
uh, let me deliver at the birth center at 37 weeks. And I actually, that day I had a 36 week checkup, Mm -hmm. but I, I was almost like, maybe I should have her check me and see if I'm dilated because it's a lot of midwives are very like non-invasive. They don't, they won't check you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I'll be fine. And so that night I went into labor, but had I probably gotten checked, she would have seen that I was dilated um, pretty, I guess, pretty far because by the time I took a bath, I woke up Tanner. He was like, you're lying. You're not in labor. I'm like, my contractions are every four minutes. Like, this is oh, no my- joke. Oh my God. <laughs> We called the midwife, we went to the birth center and um, I'm just like still gushing. Like my water was like, I had so much, like it was just gushing. And um, sure enough, I was in labor, obviously. And so I was able to go to an affiliated hospital where I was still able to labor in the tub. My midwife was able to be there. Mm. And um, I had her exactly about seven hours of labor, but it was, it was very adrenaline based. I feel like both of my births were very adrenaline based where I felt like people who have like long labors, I'm like, yours must have been like so nice because you're just like, you're just like chilling. Your body is nice. (laughs) Yeah. Your body is naturally slowly opening. My body is like on overdrive. That's the thing when people are like, oh my God, you had a labor that was longer than 24 hours. I'm like, yeah, but, and we were talking about Mm -hmm. it earlier. We're like, yeah, but the contractions were chill. Like I was like, I can do, I'm coping, I'm swaying, doing my, Mm -hmm. yeah, very different. Yeah. You have time to ramp into it. It's not just like zero to 100 and you're like, you know, in the fast lane, like, I guess this is happening. Like You're just <laughs> slowly coasting for a while, picking up well, speed. Yeah. That not to mention so that. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> not to mention at 36 weeks, because that's a whole other mm-hmm. mental aspect. I'm sure you weren't expecting to go early. No, not at all. Um, Because everyone tells you your first baby that you're, they're like, you're going to be late. Like, don't even worry about your due date. You're probably going to go over. So I totally thought I had four or five more weeks, to be honest. And that it's going to be slow. That's what Mm -hmm. everyone says about your first labor. Yeah, that it would take forever. And I just think my body goes into, because with Brooks, it was a precipitous labor. I think my body almost labors and has contractions because this can happen where you're having contractions, but your body doesn't even feel the pain mm. until like you're already like in active labor. And I feel like that's my, I feel like my body does that. Like maybe you're slowly, oh yeah. Maybe you're just slowly dilating over a long period of time too. Yeah. Like over the the days or weeks in advance, who knows? Yeah. But I, I'm definitely a birth, like birth planner. I like the idea of a birth plan. <laughs> and I know like we were talking, like nobody says like there, everyone says, your birth isn't going to go the way you want it. Like don't plan it. But I still like that idea of like mentally focusing on something and trying to bring it to fruition. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Having a guide of like what you want and knowing why you want it and having other people know that too, I think is really important. Even if nothing, literally nothing happens that's on your part of your plan. As long as you have an open mind that things are going to go the way they're going to go. Like I, I think about like my wedding day, even like brides who like freak out, like if every little thing goes wrong on your wedding day, I'm like, <laughs> I had that mentality of like, I, I, everything's planned. It's going to go the way it goes though. And I'm just going to enjoy it anyways. And I feel like that's kind of the same with birth. 
That's actually like a really good way of looking at that. Yeah, I know. Totally. And we were talking in our last episode, we were saying that like, like for me, I didn't have any sort of birth plan because I was very much like, if I don't think about it, maybe I won't get anxious because I was just I didn't want to be nervous about it. And then in that moment while I'm in the hospital, there was that that realization where I'm like, okay, yeah, I'd have to be flexible with the birth plan. But if I would have known all my options and like what those actually look like, it would have helped my anxiety like greatly just to have knowledge of a plan or some sort of like, you know, direction, not just making decisions in the moment. Yeah. My mom, when she was really young, when she had me, she was 21 and she said she knew nothing about pregnancy, nothing about birth and everything was very like, she, she didn't like know really what was happening until it was happening. And she had no idea what to expect and just went with whatever the doctors told her to do. And, and I'm like really about women, like, like, I think it's great if you don't want to have a plan and you just want to go with the flow. But I also feel like it's really good for women to be educated nowadays. Informed. Just like, yeah. yeah, you have options. Mm-hmm. Just to know you have options because um, like not being informed too can also lead to like traumatic birth experiences yeah. because you don't know what's happening. Exactly. But I can uh, also eat, eat my words though because my my birth with Brooks was very, I, I had PTSD symptoms afterwards so i'm saying oh it's good to be go with the flow and just right happens but i also had a very traumatic experience well yeah there's no guarantee that it's gonna that it's going to prevent you know trauma or something from happening we can definitely decrease the the possibility that Mm -hmm. you're going to be in situations that you're unprepared for maybe yeah. I mean, it still totally happened, but, <laughs> but you're decreasing your chances of it. I'm curious, what was your mom's experience? Like, did she have super fast labors or no? So, yeah, so she, I was born about, it's crazy because she said that when she had me, her water broke at 3 a.m. in the morning and that she had about a seven hour labor, which is exactly what happened with my daughter. Whoa. So we had like very similar experiences and like that. But um, she, my, I've, it's myself and I have two younger brothers. And then I think my brothers were pretty quick too, but not precipitous. As okay. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's interesting. I always at, like asking people that my mom's labor with me was really, really similar. Kind of like you're saying, Jade, really? like her contraction started really slow about the same time in the middle of the night as mine did and went on and off. And then basically we had almost, we both had like, 28 30 hour labors that started really really slow and kind of picked up at the same speed and she also had a really difficult time pushing the difference was though that she was in a hospital bed and wasn't allowed to move around or change positions and I think that that was really difficult for me to descend and so she ended up having to have a lateral episiotomy and had like a third degree tear so yeah so when she was with me with my birth experience, she was like, yeah, that's kind of traumatic because I didn't want you to go through all of that. But thankfully, I did have the options of like being in the water, of walking around the room, mm-hmm. standing up, crouching, doing all those things. And I think that um, but yeah, it's, it seemed like our labors were exactly the same. But what's interesting is that after that experience, my mom had two elective C-sections with my younger siblings because she was basically like fuck that and I'm kind of like well I don't blame you after that experience yeah it's interesting because I don't have any frame of reference knowing what the second one's going to be like because yeah yeah because yeah because your mom had an elective c-section right so but I find that really interesting 
I gotta take a second to pause and be honest with you broads. You're talking to the hangover queen over here. As long as I can remember, if I have more than one glass of any adult beverage, I get a hangover. I get the nausea. I get a terrible headache that somehow lasts all day, which sucks because sometimes I just want to have that second glass of wine for dinner. I just, I'd like that second glass of wine. Or sometimes I want to get a little weird with my girlfriends when I'm out, but the hangover is so terrible that I never do. But now I can when I'm having that moment and that feeling because of DHM detox. DHM Detox is the vitamin for people who like to enjoy alcohol. It's time to start taking care of our bodies if we drink and be responsible. I'm telling you, since starting to take DHM Detox, I can enjoy my drink without that next day nausea, brain fog, anxiety, headaches. Uh, There's this misconception that that awful next day feeling is caused by dehydration. And granted, you got to drink. Drinking water is very important. But that awful next day feeling is actually really caused because of this buildup of alcohol's toxic byproducts in your body. DHM Detox uses science to help boost your body's natural response to alcohol and help break down those toxins. And it's made up of natural ingredients that include antioxidants and vitamins. You just take two capsules after your first uh, couple drinks and it goes to work. Or if you're like me, you you take a capsule if you have more than one. So just for that second drink. And they come in these convenient packets that are easy to share with your friends and family. I've talked about this before. I take these packets everywhere in my purse, and I am a saint in bar bathrooms. People come flocking. They want their DHM detox. My friends demand it and expect it every time I go out now. Now, it's just part of like who I am as a human. And you know what? I enjoy being that. I enjoy giving giving to my friends. Um, and when I drink in general, I, I, I will use DHM detox now. It's just part of the deal. It's a staple now. So how important is your next day? For just a couple dollars, you can wake up feeling fine after drinking. Also, there is free shipping on all U.S. orders. DHM Detox is a risk-free purchase, so if you aren't satisfied after taking the product, they'll give you your money back. So this is a no-brainer. And we've got 20% off your order for you. Just head over to dhmdetox.com and use promo code chatty at checkout. That's D h-m-d-e-t-o-x dot com using promo code chatty at checkout for 20% off your order. How did you prepare for your first birth? And then like, would you have done anything differently in preparation with Emmy? Um, I don't feel like I would have done anything different. Like I just really tried, I read a lot of birth affirmations. I, I don't think I don't think I had started eating dates then because they told me I ate dates with Brooks, but they told me not to do it till after 36 weeks. Um, I was drinking red raspberry tea, which I do think Mm -hmm. that stuff makes your contractions much stronger. And maybe that's why I have a super uterus that just pushes things out so fast. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe it was the red raspberry leaf tea, but I really, like you said, I, wanted to move around. I wanted to be able to just trust my body and listen to it. And if I wanted to stand, I wanted to stand. If I wanted to squat, if I wanted to roll around or writhe around, moan, whatever I wanted to do, be a crazy animal. Like (laughs) I wanted to just be in the moment with it. And that was really important to me. So I just really wanted to focus on just feeling my body. And I feel like I kind of prepared myself mentally for that. But I was very spiritually connected to Emmy when I was pregnant with her. So I mm. felt like I just like felt her 
Um, and I feel like that really helped me prepare. I don't know. That's really beautiful. Just feeling like connected to her in your body. Yeah, which actually made my pregnancy with Brooks much harder because I didn't feel that at all with him. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I was so like very connected with her the whole pregnancy and I had like dreams about what she would look like and I just like knew and she like came out exactly like how I had envisioned her and Mm. um, stuff like that. And I didn't feel that with him. And I don't know if like, I don't know if like any of that stuff has to do with like our our birth experiences. Maybe it doesn't, Mm. but um, my pregnancy with him, I had a lot more anxiety and stuff like that too, which I don't know if that's a boy thing, like the different hormones pumping through my body, but but didn't you also have a, I mean, a different journey with conceiving as well w- between the yeah, two of them? That's and true. Maybe that added to it. Maybe because we did have a longer road. I think it took about a, 10 months to get pregnant with him um, because I was crazy and was like, I'm going to have my baby so close together. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I don't think my body was quite ready until it was. But um, I did have a chemical pregnancy the month before we got pregnant with Brooks. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. So I guess it was just a little bit more of an emotional experience getting pregnant with him. but And maybe a little bit more anxiety. Like, I, I don't know. I think, didn't you get pregnant with Emmy on the first try? It was like, this, yeah, I think it was like the first or second try. It was pretty easy. We were, we were just like, let's just do it. And we did it. And we were boob. It was like we were pregnant. So yeah. And I think there's maybe a little bit of a lack of anxiety with that. Uh, we did not have to try very hard for either of these pregnancies, <laughs> but sometimes I wonder like down the road, it'd be really interesting if we decide to, uh, have a biological third child. Like what if I've, I've never tried to have a baby before, which is a really lucky thing to be able to say, um, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, I don't know how I deal with it. I, I don't know what that's what that would I can't imagine what that would be like to to try to conceive. And I imagine that there would be a little bit more anxiety with the pregnancy moving forward because it's like something you've really sort of in, invested time in. I, I don't know. I get uh, that sounds kind of silly, but I have heard from other moms um, that especially if it's a, a rainbow baby, a baby that has been a struggle to conceive mm-hmm, that it's sometimes mm-hmm. it can be harder to enjoy the pregnancy because of all that's gone into it. Yeah. I would say, I mean, like my experience is very minimal compared to like what some women go through who have had years yeah. of trying and um, trying other options. But I would say maybe that contributed. It's so interesting how each time is so different. I don't know. I just feel like both of my experiences were very my pregnancies were very very different what were you anticipating did you have any kind of expectation or anticipation of what this birth was going to be like and how did you plan for this one how did that differ from emmy's i yeah i had big plans like i wanted it to- <laughs> <laughs> big plans <laughs> because emmy's birth was so adrenaline based i was like i am going to have a peaceful experience and I found a we had moved to California by this point when I was pregnant with Brooks and um I found a birth center here too that's inside a hospital but I I just felt like very like good where we had picked and I was like they're gonna just let me do what I want I'm gonna have a very relaxing process this time I just was gonna be able to like enjoy it Mm -hmm. I wanted to just enjoy the process 
And I was like determined that that was going to be the case. And then he came out in like 65 minutes. (laughs) What a cosmic job. Okay. Can you, can you tell, can you tell this story? I know you've told it on your own podcast and I've listened to both you telling it and I listened to Tanner's side of the story, but I think that our listeners would be really interested to hear you. And I haven't, so I'm like itching. (laughs) Please. Yeah. So I was like 38 weeks, two days, and my mom who lives in Nebraska, she wanted to be here for the birth. And she was supposed to come down, I think like two days before I had, or yeah, two days after I had him. But I called her that week before and I was, I could just tell like, I feel like my body was really getting ready. And I told her, I was like, you need to drive down here. I feel like I'm going to have this baby this week. I just have a feeling. And she drove down. And and who knows, maybe you were already dilating. I probably was. I I feel like my body was pretty open. Um, and she drove down on a Saturday night, and that Sunday night I had I had Brooks. So she literally, he, I swear he was wow. waiting for her. So oh my god. Um, but we were watching The Bachelor, Bachelorette. I don't know the Bachelor finale. Bachelor. I don't know. When was it? What month? What month July. was it? Going? The Bachelorette July. finale. July. <gasps> And I was sitting there on the floor and I was just like in a butterfly position, kind of just like stretching. Cause I really try, was trying to keep um, stretching and um, getting ready to have a baby. And all of a sudden I felt this thunk it, and it was just like a pop in my, in my hips. And I was like, Whoa, it, it felt like everything just like shifted. Was it him dropping down? Do you it think? Was, yeah. It was him <gasps> in transition. So, oh. I go, I go, well, I just thought it was my water. So yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, I think my water's broke. So I go to the bathroom. I sit down. Which by the way, that thunk is the craziest experience. Yeah, Obviously yeah. I didn't, I didn't experience it until like 28 hours in, but yeah. that thunk is like, it's wild. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, I was like, what in the world? But <laughs> I was like, there's no way. Cause I'm just sitting here chilling with my husband and my mom watching TV. Um, but it's obviously not my baby's head entering my my like hips like through the birth canal but I I'm like yeah my water broke and I go and I get Tanner and I was like I was like this is happening so we were going to record everything and put it on YouTube so I'm like well I guess we'll just start recording and we called my midwife and she was like okay well it could be anywhere from you know a couple hours to 24 hours before you have the baby so just time your contractions Relax. no worries I'll see you at the at the birth center when you get closer so I'm like well I took a bath with Emmy so I'm gonna go upstairs and take a bath and then we'll get ready and we'll we'll go to the birth center so I get in the bath and I get like hot like my whole body just feels like super hot I feel dizzy um, I feel like I can't focus I was trying to like listen to these birth affirmations on my phone and the lady is like your body is safe. Your baby is safe. <laughs> you know, all these things. And I'm just getting pissed at her. <laughs> I'm like, I'm in so much pain. This lady is insane. I can't catch a breath. Like my contractions were like on top of each other. So when you, after you felt that drop, you just immediately started having like back-to-back contractions. Like I had ones that were about five minutes apart when I called my midwife. By the time I was in the back, oh God. I couldn't keep up. I had no breaks. And so I was like, I'm not going to be able to do this naturally. Like this is, this is not like, I I can't do this for another 12 hours. I'm like, (laughs) I'm going to have to get the freaking epidural. So I'm like, I don't know what to tell my midwife. And so 
Um, I get out of the bathtub. That's also crazy that the bath didn't even slow things down like at all. No, she's, my midwife thinks that it sped it up because I relaxed, but I don't, I just think it was already happening. <laughs> you yeah. like I was not relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was like in labor land. You know that mode that like, like n- everything seems worlds apart from mm-hmm. your body at mm-hmm. that point. And Tanner's in the shower and I walk by the mirror in our bathroom and I look at my face and I don't even feel like I recognize myself. And I was like, oh crap, I'm in active labor. Like this is serious. Yeah. Cause you're basically like hallucinating when you're in that, yeah. like there's, there's no other, it's like a psychedelic weird experience. It really is. Mm-hmm. So I go into our master closet and where's Emmy. Is she, where, is, she's sleeping. Is she, okay. Okay. She, she was in bed. Okay. So this was like, gosh. And your so mom is down is downstairs still? My mom's just downstairs. We had called Tanner's mom who lives 20 minutes away to come over because she was going to stay with Emerson while my mom went to the birth center with us. And so she, my mom's downstairs, has no idea what's going on, just thinks I'm getting ready to, to leave. And Emmy's sleeping, but and Tanner's in the shower and I go into the master closet and I'm trying to get dressed and I can't even focus. I was like, I can't even put clothes on. And so I yell for Tanner and I was like, I need you to get me dressed. I'm like, we need to go now. And so he's throws on like his, he throws on like one of his t-shirts on me and his gym shorts. I was like, okay, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And he's trying to like gather his head that this is happening. He goes out. Yeah, because he must have been recognizing at that point that you're suddenly in another yeah, dimension. I told him, I was like, this is happening. And he walks out of the room and I'm like, oh crap. I'm like, I can feel like, I feel like I'm crowning. So I reach down and I feel his head and he's like already just there. And I lay down on the ground and I just like let out the most guttural scream because it was all just, it was too soon. You know, my brain can't keep up with my body. And I'm like, this is too soon. And I'm like, this can't be happening. And he runs back in and his mom runs in and his mom's like, Tanner, because she had gotten there and she doesn't know what's going on. And I'm like, the baby's coming now. And he's like, we need to get you in the car. And I was like, there's no way in hell I'm having my baby in a car. I'm not moving. Call 911. So we called 911 and the dispatcher told me to hold the baby in. (laughs) 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 She's like, she's like, help is on the way. You just need to hold the baby. And I'm like, huh? (laughs) So I, by this point, hunched over this bench in our master closet. My hand is on his head. My mother-in-law has a towel on my hand, her hand underneath holding my hand. His, it, it, has he, his head fully emerged or is, or is it just, no, he's, he's just crowning. Okay. He's just crowned. And Tanner's in the back with a towel. We have towels all over. Oh he's in the back with a towel waiting to catch Brooks in case. My mom is just there like helping like talk to the dispatcher and watching and just making sure everything is fine. And there's a moment where before the uh, paramedics got there, that Tanner's mom put her hand on my shoulder. I'm gonna cry. And she just was like seeing all these really calming things. Whew. And it was like for the first second, like first moment through the whole process that I felt like peace and I felt like all the pain went away. Mm-hmm. And I was just able to like catch a breath 
it was like the most crazy experience. Sorry guys. <laughs> and I was just able to like relax and I felt like my whole body relaxed and I just like was like, okay, I can just wait till they get here. And the paramedics got there. That that's and incredible. Okay. Really, the, was, the the fact that you're able to hold I mean that's It was like a whole shift. And I was like, wow, okay, like all these like natural birthing books that I read where there's women who are able to like go into like this almost like pleasurable experience. It was almost like everything had changed in that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, still hurt like hell when I pushed him out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, because that ring of fire is no joke, but uh, (laughs) I was able to wait. The paramedics got there and like two pushes and, uh, he was, fine he I guess when they come out that fast they don't get all the amniotic fluid out of their out of their lungs so they were worried for a second because it took him a long time to to make a cry but um he was okay they took us to the hospital anyways just to check on everything because they thought his coloring was a little off but um yeah then everything was fine (laughs) but it was like from the time I felt that thunk to the time he was born it was 70 minutes oh my how long was it, do you know, since the the 911 call to when they actually got there? Six minutes. They were so fast. Wow. Yeah. We're very lucky that we live maybe two miles from the fire station. I mean, that's incredible, though, that you were actually able to stop your labor for that six minutes, though, also. Oh, because I was ready. Like, I was, my everything in my body told me, like, it was happening, you know? If I, if I would have just surrendered to the pushing, I, I, he, I mean, we probably would have been fine, but I was so terrified of all the things that I was thinking that could go wrong. Of course. So I was trying to wait, but. Oh my God. And then, the, so did they literally just come into the room and then you just, th- that was it? And then you pushed them out? <laughs> yeah, it was like six six paramedics. They just like rushed into <laughs> our in the closet. closet. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, one of the guys, he had delivered two babies before he had like 20 years experience. And one of the other, um, paramedics, it was like, he was still on a, like training, like their 90 day training or whatever. So it was like, it was like his third week or something and he is delivering a baby. Wow. But they were wonderful. They were, they were great. Oh my goodness. That is insane. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And yeah. then how long were you in the hospital uh, after that? We only had to be there uh, one, I think it was one night because um, we were still able to stay on the birth center side. Uh-huh. Um, and I was still able to like, my I delivered my placenta in the ambulance with my midwife at the hospital. Um, and then we were able to still have, she was able to, uh, I had, I needed a stitch. So she stitched me up at the hospital and everything like that. So um, we were just there one night. They just wanted to make sure I was okay yeah, and yeah. that he was okay and just monitor, but we were, yeah, we were good. Oh my goodness. How well, long, I mean, every, it, sorry, how long did it take you to like, pro, like process? Yeah, I was just was about to say on. everything was physically all good, but that's a lot to cope with for, I mean, I'm sure you're not f- still not fully processed through it. I was like, a, I sounded probably probably to the paramedics, like a nut, like a nutty person, because (laughs) (laughs) I was like, 
ugly cried and I was saying like weird things and my whole body was shaking. My legs would not stop like shaking for hours. It felt like, but, um, they had to, they couldn't get me down in the stretcher down our stairs. So they had to like wrap me around in a chair and like strap me to the chair and take me to the, to the ambulance down the stairs. And I was like saying weird things. I was saying, I kept saying, I'm sorry over and over. Like I was saying, I'm sorry in the ambulance. And they were like, they were like, ma'am, do you know your name? And they were like asking me all these things. It was just so weird, but, um, it took me forever. It probably took me. Were you able to hold Brooks throughout all of that? They did. They let me oh, hold good. him in, in the ambulance. So that was nice because they let him lay on my, on my chest and which I really wanted to do. Like part of my birth plan was to do where they, they do the crawling towards the nipple and they find you naturally. Mm -hmm. My husband just came in and mooned me. (laughs) (laughs) This, unfortunately we didn't see it in the mirror. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) but um, I'm sorry. I was like, whoa, okay. (laughs) But no, he was able to do like the, like, I forget what the term is, but where they call I know what you're talking. I can't think of what it's Mm -hmm. called either. Yeah. No, it's not rooting, but, um, he was still able to do that. And I was able to hold him the whole time. They let me do that because I was like insisting. The biological something. No, that's just biological position. Never mind. Somebody out there will know. I can't, I don't know why I can't think of the name right now, but no, I was able to hold him, which was really important to me because I wanted to make sure we had like that, that bonding process right away. But I still didn't, I talked about it before. Um, I still didn't bond with him probably to like a month after. I was act- I was going it. to ask if that affected yeah. how the, how the bonding went. And if you felt guilt about that, because it's so difficult yeah. when we're always inundated with stories too, of like, and the minute I held my baby and I looked in their eyes, it was like everything melted away and I've never <laughs> felt so much love in my life. And like, even people who don't go through traumatic birth experiences don't always experience yeah, yeah. that right away. And that's normal. Yeah. And that's how I felt with Emmy. I had that like super like ethereal connection with her and looked at her and I was like, I know your soul. And I didn't have that with him. I looked at him and I felt like not that I didn't know him, but that he didn't know me. Mm. I was like, he doesn't know, like, he doesn't know me. Mm. And I felt like he didn't want me to be his mom. Mm. So I had to like, really like be like understanding with myself and like give myself some grace with that. But, Mm. and to know that it's normal, you know, like. Well, was that compounded too by having a difficulties after with breastfeeding and things like that too and because I know he was really colicky yeah and I mean did that make things even harder this feeling of like yeah a disconnect um both of my children had colic <laughs> and I ended up having to go dairy free with both of them and that made a difference but he yeah he had a difficulty breastfeeding he ended up having a tongue tie and a lip tie which I didn't get fixed until he was about four months because I didn't even know that was a thing and my pediatrician kept telling me, oh, he's fine. Like he has a little bit of one, but it's fine. It won't do any different. If you try to change it, I've heard worse things if you change it. But I really think that was like a huge part of our breastfeeding issue too. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's just like one of those things where I just feel like it's all so different. You never know like what's going to be thrown at you. And it was such a, something I didn't think I was going to have because I felt so naturally 
maternal and like nur- I feel like nurturing is a very like innate part of my like like my calling in life and so I was like why don't I feel this mm-hmm. with him but it's been a really good journey <laughs> um I like the relationship I have with him now is like amazing you know how did you process through how have you been processing through that um, experience and also that difficulty? I honestly think it's just time. <laughs> you know, like your brain, when it goes through something, something that is considered traumatizing and it can be any kind of experience can be traumatizing to you. Like it doesn't have to be like a certain thing that other people consider traumatizing is whatever your brain processes. And um, I had talked to a therapist who said, who specialized in trauma and said that if you don't start trying to like process the trauma before three months, it begins to start become a permanent part of your brain. Mm -hmm. And so, whoa, really? Yeah. So I was really like, okay, I really want to try to get ahead on this and make sure that this is something that I don't permanent, you know, and you can change it, but I don't want to permanently associate trauma with his birth Mm -hmm. and so um it was just a lot of personal work I feel but I definitely I know like May is like maternal mental health month and I definitely think that like I experienced I've never been diagnosed with postpartum but definitely like some of the like symptoms Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and did you experience anxiety too after he was born um no anxiety um, I actually had a little bit of anxiety after Emmy's birth, but that was just because like you're a new mom. You're like, well, what yeah. am I doing? <laughs> um, but not, not really any anxiety, but definitely some like, I know you've talked about it, Becca, like um, intrusive thoughts mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, just like sadness that didn't go away. Mm-hmm. You don't really like, can't put like a finger on it, stuff like that. Yeah, I definitely dealt with that. Um, it was weird because like we've talked about it before on the podcast. I always get so annoyed when I, I did. I don't know why I was Googling a couple months ago and Google said that like by fo- around 14 days after the birth, you sh- the baby blues should be gone and you should be starting to feel like your normal self. <laughs> and I was like, I think I audibly laughed out loud because <laughs> at around two weeks was when my mom went home yeah. and I had felt great up until the two weeks. And it was like two through five weeks for me. It was a relatively short period of time oh, was horrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like and I would feel good one. And the horrible part is that, you know, you feel great one second and the next moment you're sobbing over like. I, I would cry over like an email inquiry I would get from like a small company and I would start crying because I would be like, I can't give a shout out on Instagram right now to this small company. <laughs> and it's just this mom who's making and oh, my God. And I would like start crying over something like that. And it was like that for a few weeks. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I cannot imagine going through this for months on end. And then I also noticed that like six or seven, which people don't talk about like six or seven months postpartum I was getting really weird anxiety like social anxiety Mm -hmm. where like I would 
have to meet up with someone for like 15 minutes and I would replay over and over again the possibilities of how our interaction would go like in the mm-hmm. days leading up to it and anyway it's just so crazy the spec and I didn't have any particularly traumatic experience but that journey into motherhood whatever way it looks can there's just a lot that shifts and and it's hard to be prepared sometimes for the shifts that take place yeah well and you just don't know because it's it's not something that you want to share because you are worried about all the guilt or the shame that's going to be thrown at you if you're like open about these things so it's so hard for women to talk about and then when we go through them alone we're like i'm the only person that feels like this there must be something wrong with me but it's all like we like if we all really talked about it, we'd probably find so many commonalities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, no, I remember looking at my my daughter and she was like, I was like in a weird haze for probably the first like six weeks. And I it just, I don't really remember it. But then about seven weeks, the her colic hit hard and, and it was just like game over. And I felt like I wasn't connecting with her at all for like months because you just feel like you're surviving, you know? And, uh, and I remember like I had her like cradled in my knees and I'm looking at her and she was like five, almost probably six months old. And I'm staring at her. And I just started bawling. Cause I was like, I don't even know who you are. Like I haven't mm. taken any time. And I felt like this, like a horrible parent. Cause I'm like, all of a sudden it hit me where I'm like, I haven't taken any time to even like get to know and like really tr- like cherish and treasure my own child. And because I hadn't heard like moms talking about the fact that, like this is this is just super normal like every every birth is different every pregnancy is different um every you know early the childhood it's all it's also different but because it wasn't something that I'd heard talked about I was just like oh so I'm a terrible parent and my child and I will never have a bond and like you know panicking at six months you know turns out then seven eight months in all of a sudden everything like fully changes for us but you know, there's, there's so much to be said about being, and I'm so grateful that you're willing to like come on here and talk about something that was so traumatic, like your birth, because I, you know, Becca and I both didn't have traumatic births. And I know so many of our listeners have had that. And so to be able to see like you being vulnerable and going through that and then being open about, you know, that it did take a while is something like very grateful for. Seriously. I I think also people you unfortunately we always hear from other moms too. People say, um, soak it all in, like it happens like it goes so <laughs> fast. And I never tell moms that because then I just felt freaking guilty the first like six months where I was like, I can't soak it in. And honestly, I just want my child to be asleep most of the time. <laughs> Because I just want a few minutes to myself. And honestly, like for me, I I didn't I mean, I feel way, 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 way more connected to Ruth now that she's like starting to talk and interact and like than I did even when she was six or seven months. And I think that that's okay. Yeah, it's it's totally okay. And it is. I mean, I get like the like the nice intention behind that, like soak it in because they do grow up and then we're like, where'd our babies go? But but also at the same time, yeah, that's a lot of pressure to feel like you have to be this like perfect mom all the time. Yeah, or in a mental space to be soaking it in. <laughs> to just be yeah. treasuring every <laughs> second. Like, oh, my beautiful baby. Yeah. Like, so- my, my nipples are bleeding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotta soak it in. Yeah. But oh you're glowing. So. <laughs> okay, so one thing I kept thinking about is do, I mean, 
is it in the realm of possibility of having more children biologically? Yes. So I would like to have another. Um, Tanner is pretty content with having two. And I think it's because he grew up in a family of two kids and I grew up in a family of three kids. So I feel like I was like, well, I remember like, I loved my little brother. Like it never felt like I was getting less attention when he came along. Like, right. So like when my, my, uh, when the third sibling came along. So I was like, I feel like it just like enriches your life. So I would like to have another kid. I feel like it's going to happen. I feel like I'll get my way. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The joys of being a woman. (laughs) You've got plenty of time. I mean, I'm I'm one of five and I think like the more the merrier, even if we had another sibling, like, I don't know. And I love my siblings now and it's, it's fun. Like if you have the, if, if you want to, you know, go for it. I think Tanner's just terrified of being outnumbered. You know, with you have two, you can each control one. But if you're sure. in public and you have three, like it's like good luck. You know, like <laughs> so I feel like he's I think he's nervous about that sort of aspect. You could bring around another one in like three or four years and then the ones will yeah. be a little older and they can help out. Yeah, that's fun. how I was. I was I was actually eight when my youngest brother was born, but I was like second mother. That's so cool. That is cool. One of my friends just had um they had another and her youngest was nine and she was like that. She like wanted to be holding the baby in her carrier all the time. Like, yeah, yeah second mother like that. And I think that's mm-hmm. pretty special. Um, okay, so if you are to have another baby, like I, I want to know what's kind of your advice just in the realm of birth plan stuff as someone who has had kind of nothing <laughs> go, uh, go according to plan. And how would you prepare for a third birth, given that opportunity after how the first two went? Well, I'm definitely like planning to just probably have a home birth because <laughs> <laughs> like this baby, I, I'm sure the third baby will just like shoot out. So um, that would probably be like my plan. And I've already told Tanner that I'm like, next time, like, next time there's I'm sure at this point he's like yeah (laughs) like I got it I'll just deliver it he's seen everything he's he's seen everything so he's like it's not that hard I can (laughs) (laughs) it's not that hard when your babies just shoot out your vagina so (laughs) it's like a slip and slide but um I mean my advice it's just so hard like you want to like say the right things but I really feel like there is no right thing it's just I, I mean, I don't even know. It's just like, I guess like whatever you go through is okay. Like however the mm. outcome is, is okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like everything's going to be okay. And so I feel like that's just like my only advice is like, mm. you could be a birth planner like me, like you can still have your plans. And I feel like that's great. If you don't want them, you don't want them either. I feel like that's great. Um, like I said, I do feel like it's really good for women to be informed and just have know that they do have options, but I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, no matter what you go through, like things are going to be okay. Mm. I think that's a lovely sentiment. And I think it is yeah. helpful because it's the <laughs> truth. I mean, it's kind of, I don't want to look at this in a dark way, but when it comes to grief or any kind of traumatic experience in life, big or small, you do get to a point eventually where you are okay and Mm -hmm. where things are okay and we do survive and we're pretty capable mentally emotionally and physically of getting through a lot 
Yeah, for sure. Wow. Well, give yourself credit, mamas. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, I mean, it's been great to have yeah, you on. Thank Jade. you so much for sharing this. Yeah, of course. Thank you guys for having me. Um, I love doing, I love birth stories, so I'll talk about them all day. (laughs) Do you have any resources that you recommend to people that you felt like were helpful? Um, I did like through my midwife, I did like a, a birth planning course, um, where it like, it was, I forget the name of it. I could look it up on my phone and send it to you guys, but it like literally gave me all the options and even things that I didn't even know that you could say, like, I don't want this for my baby, or I do want this for my baby. Mm -hmm. And it was really helpful. I was like, oh, I didn't even know, like, those are things that the doctor might do. Um, Wait, was it called the Know Your Options course by any chance? No, I think it's called the Birth okay. Board. I think oh, okay. The Birth Board. And that was really helpful. I know that you're a fan of Ina Mays, um, right? It's, yeah, I love it. It's not for yeah. everyone. I always am like, <laughs> give a disclaimer. I'm like, trust me, this book is yeah. not for everyone, but it really <laughs> helped me personally. I think- I think that there are things that people can pick out of there, even if they're not like totally crunchy, you know, I feel like there's things in there that they can still find that I don't know. Then there are like the out, there's like things that are out there, I guess, like the orgasmic birth and stuff. And people are going to be like, yep, nope, not for me. But I do feel like it's a helpful thing to read. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's just, I just like knowledge. I like reading everything. So I don't know. I mean, I like, like I said, I'll, I'll, I'd watch a C-section all day because I think it's fascinating. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we were talking about it on the last episode, but I was saying like the, one of the most helpful things for me was just reframing um, like a fear of childbirth into yeah, yeah. To being reminded that over and over and over again throughout the pregnancy about positive birth stories, about positive outcomes feel like that really helps you get in a place not not entering in it with into it with fear yeah I do when I when I was laboring with Emmy one thing that I kept telling myself was when I was getting really hard was just like I can do this like I would verbally say it out loud like to myself like I can do this like I can do this like it was just really like and then I just started getting excited. I'm like, okay, well, she's almost here. Like, you know, she's every, every contraction, every hard part, it's her getting closer. And I feel like, yeah, maybe just trying to maintain that even like positive aspect is really good. It's really good mentally for you. Yeah. I said, I can, one thing, I can't remember who told me this, but um, I can do anything for like a minute, which I think I had double peaking contractions. I don't, I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast, but mm-hmm. my contractions were definitely like 90 seconds long. And, and I heard somebody talk about this on a birth podcast, but basically it's like when, you know, in, in a contraction, you feel the peak and then you come down. I would have you double like, peaked. A, yeah, I would oh, have geez. a peak and then it would start to come off and then it would, it would, oh, yeah. it would, there would basically be like, it wouldn't be over when I thought it was over. And then I would have the normal break in between contractions. But anyway, my affirmation ended up being like, I can do anything for two minutes. <laughs> the contractions are lasting a little bit longer than that. But I felt like that was a really, I think people don't realize too, unless they, when they start researching about birth, that you get normally a break in between contractions, unless you have precipitous labor. Yeah. But. And then it's, yeah, then it's, <laughs> then there's no breaks. Which by yeah. the way, I don't know if you know the percentage offhand, but I know the percentage of precipitous labor is super, super, super low. Especially I, with I, first time. I moms. think it's, I think it's 3%. 3%. So, okay. Yeah. And I think, and that might, yeah, that 
that might not be including first births. I'm sure it's like 1%, I'm sure with first births, but definitely- yeah, we- we had a friend actually, we were talking about this last episode as well. So sorry yeah. that we're repeating it broads, but we had a friend who her first baby was pretty shortly after you gave birth in your closet. She had about a 45 minute labor <gasps> with her first, didn't make oh it to the birth gosh. center and oh born gosh. on call in the amniotic sack on her bathroom floor with her boyfriend. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's so cool though. I love on call birth. Yes. Like- I think that's so fascinating. It was incredible. It, we felt so broads. bad though because we had been telling Beck and I had been talking to her, being like, "Girl, don't worry. It's your first. It's gonna take forever. Like you aren't." <laughs> All of a sudden, we get a call. Don't rush to the <laughs> yeah. birth center. <laughs> you know, labor at home. Yeah. And we're like, okay, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> not the best advice. Yeah, and don't get scared, broads. Go listen to the birth hour because then you can listen to all the normal stories of people whose labors are longer than 12 hours because that's definitely the norm, especially for first birth. So don't get too freaked out and think you have to start planning for a home birth because, (laughs) I mean, it could happen to you, but... Doesn't hurt to be prepared. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much. Do you want to kind of plug your podcast and like where people can find you? Sure. Yeah. So I have a podcast too with my friend, Carly, Carly Waddell. She was on the bachelor as well. And it's called mommies tell all. And we just talk about all things, parenthood and mommies and women and babies and toddlers and just kind of how it all um, applies to our life. And we try to learn new fascinating things on there too, but you can just find it on any kind of, place you listen to podcasts and then my instagram is jade liz roper if you guys want to follow me and my family i share a lot of stuff there too yeah we'll put all that in the episode notes broad so easy easy access (laughs) okay thanks so much jade thanks so much jade all right broad so now that we've said a goodbye to sweet jade we are going to jump into our conversation with Alexis. um but before we do that and we're just going to hop right into that conversation with her um Broads, I want to talk to you about one of our most favorite sponsors to talk about because we believe in this company and platform like, whoa, okay? It's the most fantastic. It's Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people. You can use it to explore new skills, deepen existing passions, and get lost in creativity. They have a lot of classes, like every type of class you can think of from productivity, lifestyle, freelance, entrepreneurship, creative writing, film and video, graphic design, illustration, photography, uh, web development, marketing, animation. The list goes on. I could that list I could go for maybe about an hour, a, a hot hour broads. Uh, Skillshare has been super cathartic for me during this stay at home all the time times. Um, I can get anxious and when I get anxious learning something new or even playing with the idea of learning something new has brought me a lot of joy and since I've been inside a lot I've been taking more time to appreciate the space that I live in that I'm so grateful for so I took a class called style your space creative tips and techniques for interior design and I learned a lot and I ended up rearranging pretty much my entire house and move that furniture around. And oh my goodness, I have optimized that space, baby. 
Thank you, Skillshare. I also took a class called Happy House Plants because I need to be better with my house plants. Um, I love Skillshare and I recommend it so highly. It has brought me a lot of joy and allowed me to dive into passions I hadn't before. A creative challenge or productivity class may help in setting small goals and feeling a fulfilling sense of accomplishment. I know it has for me. Skillshare believes in membership with meaning. They believe a strong community is essential in times of hardship tap into the support of fellow creatives who provide encouragement, communication, and inspiration through Skillshare. Explore your creativity and get two, two free months of premium membership at Skillshare.com slash chatty. This is just, this is a no-brainer. I mean, two free months of thousands of classes. That's two whole months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. Get started and join today by heading to Skillshare.com slash chatty. Two free months, unlimited access to thousands of classes at Skillshare.com slash chatty. That's Skillshare.com slash chatty. And now let's chat with Alexis Haynes. So before Alexis, where we are having you on right now, we spoke with, I believe we recorded this a few weeks ago with, with Jade. Yes, Correct, we Jess? did. Yes, this is, this is a kind of a funky intro, but we recorded with someone three weeks ago. We found out actually now that Jade's having their third child. But something we talked about during her episode, Alexis, she had uh, an unexpected birth in her closet with her second was literally in labor for I think maybe like 75 minutes. Yeah. And her it's first wild. was like under five hours too, just like quick. And early to like 37, 38 weeks. Anyway, um, but she was talking about how her birth experience with the second, even though she was planning on having an unmedicated birth um, at the hospital, was really kind of traumatic because she felt like she was out of control. And we wanted to talk to you because something that we talked about last time, I can't remember if, it was, if we were even recording or not, is that you specifically are a birth doula for women who have experienced trauma, correct? Yeah. Yeah, it's a huge passion of mine, specifically sexual abuse, but um, I've had the pleasure of serving birthing people who are single, who are teenagers, who Mm. um, have been in domestic violence situations, who have incurred sexual abuse, as I had mentioned, or had had a history of a traumatic birth experience and want a Mm. different experience Mm. the next time around. Um, I think often people, people think, oh, having a fast birth is better, but that's actually not the case (laughs) for a lot of people. I have a girlfriend who has labor so fast. The midwife can't even get to her house and her husband now catches all of her babies. She just had her fifth baby and it was born (laughs) her last baby. It was Christmas Eve. She was cooking dinner and all of a sudden she was like i'm going into labor and he was like what and she goes call the midwife i'm going to labor she got in the tub and she knew she's like call the midwife right now like 40 minutes later the baby was born he ended up catching the baby (sighs) because it is a um really intense what happens in labor is we 
um, our bodies are just so perfectly designed. So we have um, oxytocin, which creates those lovely contractions. And then we have endorphins, which are our natural pain um, killers that meet the intensity of the contractions. So when it's early labor, usually for women, they're having um, sporadic contractions that are all over the place. They're usually fairly spaced out and short in length. And then as things get more regular, they start having five minute apart contractions that are maybe 45 seconds to a minute long. And they have that four and a half, five minute break in between each one. And then when, um, the transition period starts, which is seven to 10 centimeters, labor starts to really kick into gear. And, um, the contractions can become closer and closer and closer together until you're ready to start pushing your body actually will push for you. You'll feel that if you're having an unmedicated labor, the desire to push is very, um, it's undeniable. Unless you're like us who started just pushing at 10 centimeters for no good reason. And we just pushed for three hours. Don't do that. (laughs) Unnecessary. (laughs) No, but here's why, because what happens is as that oxytocin is increasing and contractions are getting stronger and closer together, your endorphins are also rising. And, um, if all of a sudden your body's endorphins can't keep keep up. That's why a lot of women um, sometimes will stall for a period of time and doctors label it as failure Failure to progress, progress, which I hate. But really it's just that the body was like either one, I don't feel safe and oxytocin relies, it's a love hormone. It relies on feeling Mm. safe Um, That's why women usually go into labor at night when they feel really comfortable when things are dark and private. Um, So there's that. Or the endorphins weren't catching up enough with the amount of oxytocin. And I realize I'm doing all these hand movements and nobody can see me. Um, (laughs) Our YouTube watchers watchers can see you. (laughs) That they're going up. And then the endorphins are trying to catch up and they can't. So then all of a sudden the body goes, oh, I need to lower the frequency or the intensity or the length of the contractions Mm. through reducing the amount of oxytocin output so that way endorphins can catch up for a little bit Mm. and so what happens when you have a really fast labor is your endorphins can't catch up and your body actually kind of goes into a state of fight flight or freeze and all of a sudden you're not able to access any other part of your brain except for the amygdala which is firing off and going we're in a state of danger, like sound the alarm, something is wrong here. And so you become almost disassociated from the experience. And then you're left in a period of shock, which can happen from really fast labors or through drastic Mm. shifts. And this is why I advocate for everyone to have a birth doula, even if you plan on going to the hospital and getting an epidural. If, If something is an emergency with your baby, the chances are informed consent, like we were just talking about on my podcast that we were recording a second ago, <laughs> goes out the window and all of a sudden all of these things are happening to you and you're no longer an active participant mm-hmm. in your labor. You don't know what's going on. Mm. And so it's great to have someone that can pause and look at you in the eye and go, this is what's happening right now and it's going to be okay. And um, they're needing to do this because of this. 
Um, but yeah, with those fast labors, I think a lot of people go, Oh, I, I want to have a really fast labor. And as someone who had a really fast labor with my second, not nearly as fast as that girl's, um, I assure Mm -hmm. you, Mm -hmm. no, you do not. I was wondering if you had any kind of words of advice or wisdom or any any kind of tips really for women who are entering into birth with previous trauma be it sexual or otherwise and then also women trying to heal from trauma after birth as well yeah um i'm gonna start with the afterbirth so you've had a negative birth experience um and i'm somebody who did with my first i planned to have home birth ended with a c-section Um, and my negative birth experience was, um, because of undealt with trauma, sexual trauma, but also because of the way that my transition to the hospital was handled by my midwives. And then of course my experience in the hospital where I was no longer even like a person that was in labor. I, things were being done to me. I had no Mm. idea what was happening to my Mm. body or my baby, or if my baby was okay. And nobody was talking to me. And at one point I remember, cause I was crowning, I was sitting on top of her trying, they were trying to get a, um, a nerve block in my back cause they were going to perform a C-section. And the anesthesiologist said, if you can't hold still, mind you, I'm having contractions every two minutes cause my body's already pushing. <sighs> he goes, and I'm sitting on top of my baby, um, on a operating table, um, trying to hold still. He goes, I'm going to have to put you out, meaning he's going to have to put <sighs> me under without my consent and just like knock me out basically to have the baby. And so, um, if I think a lot of women, especially I see in my VBAC community, think that having the vaginal birth experience is necessary, is just going to somehow magically take away the previous experience that they had. And while my VBAC with my second daughter absolutely Mm. was a healing experience, it was a healing experience because I had begun doing the work Mm. around my previous experience. And then when I ultimately did have a VBAC, I think it would have been a healing experience even if I had a repeat C-section because I had done the work and I was making really Mm. informed decisions. And I was more in a place of um, neutrality than I was with my first birth. With my first birth, I was really rigid. This is the way it has to be. And I was that way because of my trauma. Mm. So because of my sexual trauma, I really was steadfast adamant that we were having an out of hospital birth when, where no one touched or looked at my vagina period. And so when that ended up changing, I ended up with even more trauma than was even necessary because I had not, I had said to myself, I'm not having a C-section. I'm not having a C-section. I refuse to have a C-section. And then there I was having a C-section. Um, so I always say our children are our greatest teachers and that doesn't start when they're born. It starts when we become pregnant. Mm. Um, they're here to, you know, Mm -hmm. teach us about ourselves. They're almost like these perfect mirrors for us about all of the stuff that we haven't dealt with from our own childhoods. Um, And so for me with my sexual abuse and the violence that took place in my home, I just, I hadn't dealt with it. And so it's almost like one of those things where like, if you don't deal with this, it will deal with you. And it dealt with me. Like Mm -hmm. 
everything after her birth really started bubbling up to the surface. And I think especially because I had a daughter, um, I began to become really triggered. Mm. And thankfully, I sought the help of a great therapist who I was able to work through that trauma with. And then with my second birth experience, I just overall had a better experience Mm. because I had dealt with both the birth trauma and my history of of sexual abuse and violence. Mm. How did that step? How did that begin? You dealing with that trauma? Um, so I told you guys when we recorded my podcast that after the birth of my first daughter, um, I slipped into a really serious depression where I felt suicidally depressed and, um, I just knew that if I didn't take care of this, that I would end up harming myself. That's Mm -hmm. how bad it got. And so, um, I, started working with a holistic MD and we started looking at the more physical stuff, but I knew from just my sobriety that you have to look at this from a holistic approach, like mind, body, and spirit. So I was taking care of the body stuff. I knew I needed to take care of the mind stuff. And then I knew I needed to deal with the spiritual aspect of it too. Mm -hmm. And, um, so for me, I think that finding a great cognitive behavioral therapist and someone that specializes in EMDR, which is a form of trauma therapy, was really huge for me. Um, And then dealing with the spiritual, and I'm not at all religious, but like developing a mindfulness um, uh, practice and meditation And I always say that birth, whether you like it or not, is a spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. I mean, becoming a parent is an incredible thing. And you're literally birthing a life, a spirit onto this planet. And it's, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I didn't have that connection with my first because of the way that things transpired. But I knew because I had already started working as a doula that that was a very real part of birth. And so, and with my second, I did experience that. And so it was also working on kind of rebonding with my baby who was already over a year old at that point in a way that I hadn't been able to after she was born, because when she was born, it was really sterile. Mm. They took her into the, she was kind of early. We're 37 weeks. So they immediately took her away from me after the C-section and my husband left the room and it Mm. was just me and the doctors. And it was like, almost like I was not having this experience. I blacked out Mm. for the first several days of her life. And then I slipped into postpartum depression. And so I didn't really have those feelings. And so I remember the spiritual part for me was like telling her her birth story. Like I remember her being um, maybe 11 or 12 months and just talking about what happened Mm. and like saying like, that was really hard. I'm sure it was really hard for you too. And um, (laughs) really having that skin to skin time that I was robbed of when she was first born and Um, you know, my husband, you know, Mm. finally was like, okay, she needs to move out of our bed. (laughs) 
and like into her own bed and she was over a year and he was like, if you want to have another baby, I need to get some sleep. Mm-hmm. But it was like, I, I really, I reverted back to that like newborn time where I didn't allow people to come over for a little bit. And I did have that like emotional bonding, spiritual experience that um, I didn't get to have with her. Mm. Do you have any last thing? Cause I know you've, you are limited on time. Um, I was wondering if you had any tips or resources to share for women entering to their birth with trauma if they do not have the financial resources to like have a certified doula with them through their birth experience. So the great thing about doulas is that a lot of us will work for free in the when we're just first being certified. So we need in order to get our certification, we need to go to a certain amount of births before we can get certified. I know that's through DONA, which is who trained, I went through a DONA certification. Um, That's D-O-N-A. So I know that a lot of doulas work on sliding scales. Um, I used to work on a sliding scale, but I just can't anymore. Um, I do take on um, two free births a year, um, for women who are sexual abuse survivors. So there are absolutely doulas out there that are willing to support you, Mm. um, in your journey. Um, would Dona be a good place to, to find a doula that is being certified? So, um, I'm not sure. I know in LA there is a, um, I believe it's a nonprofit for domestic violence survivors who are going to be birthing alone. Okay. Support. Um, and I'd be happy to email that information to you, but just know that like the vast majority of doulas believe that, excuse me, the vast majority of doulas believe that every birthing person deserves birth support. Mm. And so um, many of us work on sliding scales. Many of us do take on a couple of free births a year. And then there are always those newer doulas. Um, And there's so many great Facebook groups. Um, Southern California birth workers is a great one. Um, and if you call your local midwife and say, Hey, um, we're a low income family, or I'm a single mom or whatever it might be. And I'm looking for a doula who is trying to get their certification births done Mm. for low or, you know, I, I personally can take free births because, um, I, financially can do so. But I mean, when you have children and you're working as a birth doula, which most of us do, we can't usually work for free because we have to cover our childcare. And Mm. so, um, even for those certifying births, they might charge a low fee, but maybe it's 200 bucks. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Some may work for free because they can, but a lot of them are willing to take on a birth and be your birth support person for a really low amount. And then as far as counseling resources go, um, I mean, that's one of the biggest problems that I have in the U S is the lack of access to mental health services. Mm -hmm. And it's really just so challenging, but if you can get in and see a therapist and work through and if any of your childhood trauma or sexual abuse or, um, any other form of abuse before you go into labor, and have a baby, I highly suggest it. And broads, even if like you hear $200 and you're like, that's too much, 
just a thought, you know, you can put that on your um, your registry That's instead, right. because, again, they tell you that you need a lot of shit and you don't need as much shit as they tell you. And you can always get most of the stuff secondhand for a lot less expensive. And I feel like a doula is definitely something that is is to worth prioritize yeah. Yeah, to prioritize to put people, on a registry. I've seen people um, put their doulas like the full price, like my prices are. Yeah. Are, um, up there now that I've had so many years of experience and um there are people who will have all of their family chip in to pay for a doula Mm. or also which I think is a great idea postpartum support because you really everybody really needs postpartum support and very few of us actually have family that know a knows how to be supportive and b (laughs) um yeah Um, and that's a whole other topic um yeah so it it's definitely an option. Um, and yeah, if I can think of anything else, I'll make sure to email you guys so you can throw it in your show notes. Thank you so much, Alexis. We so appreciate you and, um, we'll let you hop on your other. (laughs) All right. Bye girls. Have a good day. Thanks so much. So that was a little different from the way we normally do things. You know, we had, we, we record, I mean, I, it was fun. We recorded these like on different days and in different like chunks. It feels kind of like, you know what it kind of feels like? We're putting together a newspaper. Like it's like a collage. S- yeah, it's a collage. It's like in high school when you've been working for like a, like a week on your on your newspaper and you're putting chunks together from different people and you have a, a beautiful package. And I feel like we walked away with a lovely package. Yeah, <laughs> and Alexis was short on time. But if you haven't, like we mentioned at the top of the podcast, we had her on last week, which was fantastic. And then also she does have her own podcast as well, uh, Recovering From Reality. Did I say that right? Yes. Yeah, Recovering From Reality. And... She talks a lot more about her own experiences and all of the different kinds of work that she does. Yes. Highly Um, recommend. Highly recommend. Well, B, I mean, now after this episode, we officially next week start um, the new Bachelor, (laughs) the new Bachelor series. Have we gotten, by the way, you know, this is the end of the podcast. Normally talk about the stuff at the beginning. Um, and uh, again, hard transition out of all this, uh, uh, birth talk and trauma talk, but do we have any updates on Claire's season? <laughs> Not that I know of at this moment. Me neither. I mean, Not I haven't I read up of. on it lately, but I'm like, when is this bachelor? I mean, I happen? think it's coming out in September still, but how I think they're doing that like hotel, like when, quarantine though, style. Wonder. I think it starts June, filming July? maybe in July. I think so. And Jeez I mean, I would imagine Louise. that it actually, that it is going to work because I know at least um, in Los Angeles and around our area, a few hotels are starting to open. Well, I um, think they're also do- starting production. I think they said officially like for Hollywood stuff in August. Okay. So yeah, that'll be interesting. Crazy. But I, But in the meantime, we have the... The, uh, the reunion kind of thing, which I'm guessing is going to be consisting of a lot of Zoom calls with former Bachelor contestants. I would imagine so. I would imagine <laughs> so. And uh, yeah, so we officially have our first recap of one of the Bachelor seasons um, starting. It's, it's going to air June 8th. So our recap will be out June 9th. Um, and also with that being said, broads um, and talking about babies, Becca, uh 
when this is released, there is a chance that maybe you've already oh had the baby. God. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so, but you never know. Well, who freaking knows? Because what 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 date is this coming out on? This is going to come out on. Let's see if I'm doing my math right. It's going to be like June fourth. Yep, it's going to come out on um, exactly right, June fourth. Yeah, so, that's only that's that's thirty eight weeks. That's no, that's only. There's a, there's Two weeks chance. before my due date, technically. There's a chance that, that I'm you s- might have number two in I'm your so arms. I'm so in this right zone now. right now where like, it kind of just doesn't feel like it's ever going to happen. I felt the same way with Ruth, where it was just like, oh, no, I'm just like pregnant. And that's like my this is my new life. <laughs> this is who I am now. <laughs> this is this is me. I'm pre- well, especially after like two freaking straight years of being pregnant i'm like this is this is who yeah, i it's am just who you are but there's a chance so. when this comes out june 4th that you might have a baby in your arms not sure but if not um <laughs> then you know it'll be it'll be happening soon and just so you know broads and we'll repeat this again but because of course becca needs time with the little one to uh give birth and also to <laughs> be a <laughs> be a mother um the next four weeks we will only be having one episode a week yes um and we will be doing a thorough recap and we're just going to be doing those next four weeks where we're going to be recapping the bachelor episodes (laughs) is it hitting you yeah it is (laughs) it's It's also making me really happy because i know once we come out of those four weeks of one episode a week with the recaps we're gonna have fire content um fire content (laughs) You're going to have so many stories to tell. And uh, then we're going to be going back once we have those four weeks of one episode. Then we're back to two a week. I will still be doing the recaps because that Bachelor season dealy is still going to be going on. Yeah. Um, with our typical second non-batch episodes, of course, talking about the new baby and all that. Um, but yeah, we'll and if keep there's a week or two, and- if there's a week or two where I'm not recapping, you broad should definitely send in if you have any suggestions of who Jess should recap with. Yes, I mean obviously there's the, the obvious. I know people adored your episode with Evan when you guys recapped uh, the one episode fun. of Colton season last time I gave birth. That um, actually it would be possible to do because it's going to be a recap of a season, a season. so he, i won't have to catch him up because when he recapped with the colton one he had to watch like four episodes in one day because he hadn't watched any right he was he was overcome with colton by that point when we yes. were recapping his brain was about to explode so even if you have any bachelor people or like anyone that you think that just should recap with send it our way please um, let us know what you would like because we want to give also becca a breather in baby town And it'll also be nice since these are like one off episodes. It sort of doesn't feel disjointed if I like miss one. You know, that's kind of the positive thing about the about this being like the Yes. When you would be gone, even though last last time with Ruthie, you missed one episode, which was the (laughs) craziest shit ever. So let's just say this right now, broads. Becca jumped into the saddle real quick afterwards, but we can't have that expectation because we don't know how this specific birth is going to be how you're going to feel afterwards, which is why we wanted to make sure yeah. that we only booked one episode a week for the next uh, for the next four weeks. Just the fabulous thing is the home option. setup is on point. We're thriving. We are thriving. So <laughs> I'm really happy about that. So hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll be back in the saddle pretty, but, pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, I know. And for me, uh. you know. <laughs> 
heart. your heart will go on <laughs> uh, it'll it'll be halted a little bit but we will reconnect um but uh but broads yeah we'll keep you updated let you know um what's going to be going down and we'll remind you of this on our instagram if you don't follow it's at chatty broads you can get information um on the podcast there we try to do a good job of letting you know what episodes are going to drop if there's any um change of schedule we'll post about it there um but yeah we'll keep you all updated thanks for turning tuning into our birthing week yay chat soon all right brads chat soon <laughs>